Welcome to Above the Mess, the podcast where we bounce between our interests, dive down rabbit holes, navigate our brains, and come up in Wonderland. I'm Izzy Miller, and with me is Maddie Van Houten. Hey, Izzy. Hello. Uh, Just first, I'd like to address that as we're recording, a draft of a majority opinion just leaked from the Supreme Court, which would overturn both Roe versus Wade as well as later Casey. If you haven't already, now is the time to make ourselves heard as we demanded and to this attack on women's rights. We'll have a link in the show notes for more details. But for now, on with the show. Maddie, I hear we have some follow up. Yeah, it's not really like nobody sent it in. But after we talked about it, I suddenly had that uh, effect where once you talk about something, you hear about it a bunch of times. Um, It's got a name. I don't remember what it is. It's like something about like, you see it, like in groups of threes. I don't know. Some weird German word too, I'm sure. Anyway, we talked about traveling with air tags to make finding your luggage easier. And so you can't lose it. And I saw I kid you not, like three screenshots of people who have been going traveling with their air tags and they'll get like weird updates that their suitcase is in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean just because the geotagging does not like it's bad. <laughs> At least when you're not near a bunch of cell towers. And I just thought that was hilarious that I saw it after we talked about this. I am going to try <laughs> to keep my luggage from being in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. I'm going to totally mispronounce this. The Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. That one. You found it. How did you find that? How did you I Google that? <laughs> see something constantly after knowing it. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's a good way to Google it. Um, I'm going to always forget the name of it, but now I'm going to see the name of it like three times in the next couple of weeks. Yes. Yes, you will. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So that was our only piece of follow-up, mostly because I posted our episode late today, and so people still haven't listened, but that's okay. Um, gives us time to actually catch up on the follow-up before we record our next episode. I totally did it on purpose. Woohoo! <laughs> but yeah, that was just a little thing. I thought it was like freaking funny that I saw people traveling with air tags as soon as we talked about it. So They're super convenient. They sound convenient, and I feel like I need a bunch, but I keep... Um, forgetting to prioritize them on my budget. They're pricey if you don't have a specific need for them offhand. Like, yeah, I'm glad I got them, but they were kind of expensive. Yeah, like I know I would want to put one on my keys because I have lost those before and probably pop one in my purse and maybe with my work bag. But yeah. I can't think of another a use another use for them, so I wouldn't need the four pack. Clearly, uh, although I think that's the more economical way to buy them. We did not come here to talk about air tags. <laughs> nope, we came here to talk about a new video from How to ADHD, a YouTube channel we both quite enjoy. Um, yeah, and it was about um, addressing some of her previous videos and some of the things that she said in them that had accidentally perhaps been ableist or that had not had the message that as um, the creator of the channel would want to share today. And um, what it really like highlighted for me was that there's this narrative about mental health and about neurodivergence that like, it's okay as long as you're doing something to fix it. And that's a really harmful narrative that I fall into all the time. Yeah. Um, I am constantly doing this to myself at the very least, and I'm sure I've done it to friends or people I care about where I'm like, it's okay to have depression as long as you're talking to someone about it, or it's okay to have anxiety as long as you're like trying to manage it or... In the case of this, it's okay to have ADHD as long as you're trying to change how your brain works so you can get work done. It's like, okay, that's, I felt called out by the video, but like in a good way. Yeah. Um, like in yeah. a way that like points out a thing you do that you can let go of and be happier for it. Yeah. It was like, hey, I realized me and honestly an expert in this neurodiversity experience that I was doing this thing and I just wanted to point it out to you and say that I'm going to try to stop doing it and maybe you should stop trying it trying to do it too like I thought that was a nice way to put it and Mm -hmm. it yeah um the thing that like the the way I would kind of summarize this video is that she she was talking about 
how right now the standard is conditional acceptance of ourselves and others along like the, the lines of like, as long as you're trying to do something about it, when what we really should be talking about is actual acceptance. And it reminds me of, um, there's this new ish uh, by new. I mean, it was created in the 1980s. (laughs) So it was relatively new for the field of psychology. Um, it's a field called act it's acceptance and commitment therapy. And it's all about just saying like, I accept that I am the way that I am and I'm just going to commit to living my life as is. And I thought that that this kind of radical acceptance is becoming so much more mainstream and I love it. Absolutely. There was a really good book um, on ACT that I read fairly recently, but I wish I could remember the name of. Was it A Liberated Mind? Yes, it was. Yeah, written by the yeah, it was written by the guy who uh, I want to say like invented it. But do you invent a therapy? I don't know if it's an invention, more as like he studied a bunch of people and figured out some stuff. Yeah, (laughs) it's like math, right? Is math discovered or invented? Is psychology discovered or invented? I have no idea. (laughs) I have no idea. Um, so he discovered slash invented this new therapy, wrote a book about it. It's pretty good. Can get a little dry. Mm-hmm. But I think that's because what he's trying to do is show you how it works before he tells you how to do it yourself. Yeah. And like, there were a lot of really good techniques in that book. But like, the thing is, like, it's also important to be okay with yourself not being in a place where you can apply those techniques right now. Yeah, yeah. So it, basically, this video just reminded me of getting to the stage where you are literally just accepting. Like, absolutely. I think in the book, he talks about his own experience. Um, I, I believe his main issue was anxiety. And by issue, I say that like it's a bad thing. No, he just had anxiety around some conflicts at work, right? And he kept trying to ignore it and it made the anxiety worse. So he just decided to say, yeah, I've got anxiety. And that like helped immediately. So he wasn't saying like, yeah, I've got anxiety, but I'm going to work on it. It was just like, I've got anxiety. Cool. And I think, I think that's this first step. Like this, this how to ADHD ableism video reminded me of that a little bit and like i especially like the way she phrased it um how did she say it it was something like up until recently i had never felt that i was okay as is like she didn't think that she would be accepted as herself and like let's be honest i felt like that for a really long time have you felt like that, Izzy? <laughs> Absolutely. And, like, we're in a world where, like, to, say, be employed consistently, I am constantly having to deal with the fact that my mind doesn't easily fit into that, like, come in the same time every day, be productive the same amount every day, go home the same time every day space. And it's like, it would be so much better to build a world that I fit into than to say to everyone with ADHD, change yourselves to fit into this world. I 1000% agree. I mean, we already have a couple of like ways that we could do this, right? We've got people working from home. Why not just let those people working from home, like as long as they're doing the work that they need to do work when it works for them. Like, What's the point of punching into a clock? Like for me, I think we've talked about this before. I am productive for like two hours in the morning, unless I get interrupted by a meeting every single freaking day of my life. Oh, goodness. I didn't have any meetings today. It was so weird. Jealous? Jealous. Yeah, I'm jealous. So like as a developer, I have to do those scrum things, you know, stand up every single morning. And mine is at 9.45, which means... When the clock ticks over to nine, instead of being able to focus until my typical time of like 10 o'clock, like I can go from like seven to 10, no problem. I, my brain goes, you have a meeting coming up soon. You better stop Mm -hmm. what you're doing so you don't miss it. And I'm like, 
there goes my productivity. And then I can't get back into the swing of things until about 3 or 4 p.m. So, <laughs> but like going one step further than like, what's the point of making people come into the office or what's the point of making people work specific hours? What's the point of work? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Actually, you want to know, I just listened to a podcast episode. We were worried we weren't going to have enough talk, uh, but enough to talk about today. My gosh. Anyway, <laughs> I just listened to a podcast episode from the podcast called The Happiness Lab with Dr. Lori Santos, who is also a psychologist, and she studies what in our lives affects our mood, right? So it's all about like increasing our net happiness. You know, she she says happiness is like an emotion that comes and goes. Like you always have to be filling your tank back up, you know, to stay happy. And here are the, the tools and tricks. But she did an episode about who is happy at work and who is not. And the reason, <laughs> oh my God, the reason that our jobs like bore a ton of us is because of um, this one guy who thought that we were all like rats and would only do things if we had motivation like food. I, like There is so much like bad <laughs> pop psychology and <laughs> paternalism in labor. It is ridiculous. Um, yeah. Like, Izzy, I don't know about you. I'm not motivated by, like, promotions. I'm motivated by, ooh, that looks fun. Yeah, like, a promotion. Get paid more to be a little bit more removed from the thing you were doing that you didn't care about in the first place. It's not particularly motivating to me. Like, yeah. And in that episode, I believe the psychologist who is studying people who are happy at work said it's something like only about 15% of the population is actually happy with their jobs. I believe it. Of the United States. And I'm sorry, but that's really sad. So like, yeah, it's not working for the neurotypical people either. Can we just say that? (laughs) I mean, even if you're super passionate about the thing you do, Mm -hmm. work itself is such a fundamentally coercive relationship that if you get interested in a slightly different way of doing it or are interested in a different aspect of doing it or any of these things, it's too bad because your boss has the final say about the way you do it. And if you don't go along with that, then you're out of work. And that's a pretty big stick to hold over people when the vast majority of the country is renting, when Mm -hmm. the majority of workers are living paycheck to paycheck without significant savings to absorb something like losing a job and to just say that that doesn't color how people experience work is completely missing the point. Yeah. Yeah. So needless to say, the guy who thought we were all like rats and needed nothing except money to want to work or to have to work. He didn't think anybody wanted to work. Um, And so I'm going to use a different word than work because it makes me sad. Humans like to do things. Just in general. Like, I don't know about you, but I like to do things. I do things all the time. Absolutely. We like to make positive changes around to the world around us that make our lives better, that make other people's lives better. Mm Mm-hmm. We've gotten so caught up in this world where capitalism is the only way of doing this, with everything being commodified, that we forget how many cultures have lived without any concept of paid labor. That's true. And, and so often these societies are cast as like primitive or otherwise like not as good as capitalism. But... This is a constructed narrative by people who are trying to convince everyone to do capitalism. Yeah, that's a good point. And when you look at things like indigenous food forests, where people over generations did labor to sustainably change the world around them so that it just made food for everyone. I I want one. I, I want to work on that. Um... Actually, I have news. I bought some passion flower seeds so that I could start to do that because I found out that our little woodland around the pond has um, 
like five or six edible things already and passion flower is native to south carolina so i was like let me get some and just plant some where it would grow awesome so yeah like back to the point we don't need money to be motivated to work right like most people i'm not, I'm not sure i have statistics on this so i'm hesitating most people <laughs> If you gave them all the time in the world and you gave them enough to eat and, you know, all their basic needs, they would get bored with Netflix in about, I don't know, two days. Yeah, maybe a week. Maybe a week, like depending on how burnt out they are. But like, I can't even take like my weekend. Like I can't even sit on the couch for like six hours. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like. I will just like be there and I'll be like chilling. And then all of a sudden I will jump up and I'll be like, I got to do something because I'm going like stir crazy. It's like, so my limit is six hours without doing something. And and Uh, you know what? (laughs) If we have everything we need and you want to sit on the couch for six hours, you can sit on the couch for six hours. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. Like, so like even that it's like, because people argue about the laziness all the time. I just feel like, but that's a good thing. If yeah, people like, can sit on the couch all day if they want to, like, that's a good thing. <laughs> we have the resources. Yeah, I think, so this is internalized, like, not work ethic. What's, what am I thinking? Anyway, it comes from um, decades of fighting against the narrative that if we just give people health care and a living wage and whatever, they'll be lazy and not do anything. Yeah. And it's like... If we give women bodily autonomy, they won't start families. I just can't even... That's so Sorry. not true. Uh, no, yeah. it's okay. It's okay. Um, but like, clearly yeah, it's still affecting us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, the other thing with labor, though, is labor has value. But value isn't just one thing. Like, think about a sandwich. A sandwich might be worth five bucks, but... The value of a sandwich is also that you can eat a sandwich and it keeps you alive. And those things can't be easily converted between each other. Like $5 you can't eat to keep it alive. And $5 of sandwich is different than $5 of gourmet food. So you have the use value of the sandwich that you can eat it. And you have the exchange value that you can give it to someone. They'll give you five bucks. Chairs got this. Like you can sit in it. But once you sell it, you can't sit in the chair anymore. So you get one or the other. And labor is the same way under capitalism, right? Like, if you are out in your garden doing work, you get the use value of your labor. You get plants growing, and you get to enjoy that yourself. If you're working for someone else and they're paying you for your labor, you're not getting the benefit from that, right? Because the benefit in almost every case of being paid for labor under capitalism is profit to shareholders. Yep. Or is producing things that you yourself don't directly use. If you're in a factory and you're building things, like those are going out and being sold as commodities, you're not getting them. And so much of this discontent under capitalism comes from that alienation of workers from their labor and from the fruits of their labor, that the things we make aren't the things we use. Whereas that doesn't have to be the case that as a community, we can build things together that we all use and we can all get the use value from it without exchange value ever entering the picture. Yeah. uh, Yeah. As you were talking, I was thinking like every point you had, not only does it apply to like a physical item, but it's like, okay, again, software developer, the apps I build aren't used by me. They're used by other business people. And they're used by other business people to generate revenue for a company that they don't buy things from, right? Like, they don't, they don't get anything out of it except for a paycheck. Um, and it's just, like, all the way down the line. I used to joke about wanting to join a commune, but it's getting less and less of a joke. <laughs> I would love to. I have been <laughs> in various conversations with various people about organizing a commune for a very long time. Yeah, it just... Prices of property right now, it makes it very difficult. And 
The whole health insurance problem is a really hard one to overcome here in the States. Yeah. Like, yeah. (laughs) My comment on this is, um, I have been planning for my entire life to be a self-employed person, and it became infinitely more easy when I married someone who did not want to be self-employed. Mm-hmm. And so we'll always have health insurance through his company. So I get to use his health insurance and don't have to figure out how to afford that on my own. It yeah. is expensive on your own, and it is full of foot guns. What are foot what? Oh, just ways to shoot yourself in the foot, like to get coverage (laughs) that doesn't actually cover you for the things you need. Shooting yourself in the foot, after all, is a pre-existing condition. Yes, I saw a a meme, which was too real to be a real meme, about, um, yeah, I guess a uterus is a pre-existing health condition. (laughs) I mean, I was born with it, so... (laughs) No, okay, it's actually real. One of my friends was pregnant and then needed to switch health insurances, so had to hide the fact that she was pregnant. Or, like, knew she was pregnant because at that point it would have been a pre existing health condition. I just can't. I can't either. I just can't either. It's just, uh, it makes me so angry. Um, (laughs) But to get back to the point, it's like, okay, so how did we even get here? If we build a world in which people with ADHD are accepted and don't need to work like neurotypical people, it's gonna be better for everyone. Not just the people who aren't neurotypical. Absolutely. That does not extend to only people with ADHD. That extends to people with autism, depression, anxiety. Like, absolutely. Who who cares if you need, like, if you're depressed and you need to lay in bed for a little bit, do it. Like, absolutely. No one cares. No one should care. Let's put it that way. No one should care. It's. The state of things as they are is absurd, so we need to work to change it. Yeah. And, in fact, so the end of that How Do You ADHD video, which we will link in the show notes, by the way, so you guys can go watch it on your own, um, so y'all can watch it on your own, still trying to get rid of some ableist and uh, gendered language. Uh, Continue to do that on your own, people. Um, At the end of that video, I believe her name is Jen. Is her name Jen? I can't remember. That is probably the most ADHD thing we've said while we were recording. We watch her videos all the time. Okay. The how to ADHD Jessica. face Jessica. See? Okay. Why did I think it was Jen? Got like Jennifer Aniston on the mind or something. Anyway, <laughs> back to the point, Maddie. Come on. Um, at the end of her video, she Jennifer was talking. Jennifer, my Mm. Jessica (laughs) Jessica was talking about how going forward she wants her how to ADHD video to be a place where people are fighting to make the world accepting of others who don't fit the current one and I think that is the biggest and best and most amazing goal absolutely I just found out that she was in a 2009 movie called the queen of screams where a group of teenagers are trapped in a deserted movie theater and stalked by a crazy actress. Is she the crazy actress? I don't know. I haven't gotten that far into the Google rabbit hole yet. Okay. Um, Homework. Izzy's going to watch that video. Maddie is not because she hates horror movies, but we will talk about it because I want to know which one Jessica plays. It's Jessica, right? I almost said Jennifer again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We're trying so hard, people. (laughs) We are. Um, Yeah, so that was a really good video, Izzy. I'm so glad you sent it to me. Because usually I just, like, pop it onto YouTube every once in a while and, like, catch up on all the videos I've missed. So it would have taken me a couple months to see that one, I think. Um, And I think it was a good one to watch for us. Mm -hmm. Moving on through our show notes document. Looks like you finished your first pass edit of your book. I did. Speaking of creating a world where I'm happy. (laughs) Heck yeah. I got through all 409-ish pages of my book. um, And it was mostly grammar and sentence edits, which is amazing. Like, I don't, I have to cut a couple scenes. I have to add in a couple things. I'm changing the characterization a little bit of one character. And that's it. 
That's like, so exciting. Not massive rewrites. I'm very proud. I'm very happy. And I think I'm going to be making my June 1st deadline. Um, this book, this edit process is going to be my focus for the next, well, two weeks for our listener, month for me. But um, I'm really excited. I hope that all the edits go well. I'm excited to I'm excited to actually write again because I've been in the editing phase for so long. I haven't written any scenes, so hopefully I'm not rusty. <laughs> but I'm super excited. Um, so that was a good thing that happened. And on the other end of the spectrum where I did not have something uh, good happen um, and created a world I hated more than anything was I was told I had to go back into the office three days a week. <laughs> oh, no. Um because the building that they've been building for forever finally stopped getting delayed. And they were like, yeah, everybody come in on the 18th of April. And I was like, Oh no. And my boss was like, uh, okay, three days a week. You guys know the drill. So we did that and it was terrible. My desk was right next to the kitchen. So anytime anybody had problems with the Wi-Fi or wanted to talk to me, no matter the signals I was giving off, there it I was. is amazing how many people will just try to talk right through over-the-ear noise-canceling headphones. I had a man come up to my desk where I have a, like, there's like a panel so that I can't be looking at people. And he knocked on it while I was wearing my overhead over-the-ear headphones. And I was like, must be an emergency. Took off my over-ear headphones. And he goes, is this actually noise-proof? And I was like, are you serious right now? That was worth the interruption. Yeah. <laughs> things um it took me less than 24 hours to send my boss an email that said i have gotten next to nothing done in this godforsaken cubicle let me go home and he's like um put in a request we'll talk about it but you still have to come into the office and then we kept doing that and then a week later literally to the minute found out that there was like a sales conference going on at my office. And so there were 200 strangers who had no boundaries. So oh boy, I messaged him and I was like, yeah, I, I keep getting interrupted. I keep getting asked how to get on the guest Wi-Fi network. This is not my job. Can I please work from home? And he's like, let me ask someone. And I'm like, who do you need to ask? You are my boss. <laughs> You're not even in my state. <laughs> Just let me go home. It's such a strange hierarchical fantasy in modern offices and modern yes. work. It's like we just accept the sheer amount of control that our employers have over us. Like it's such a contrast between this purported democratic ideal and the majority of our time spent in these tiny autocratic kingdoms. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Sure feels like it because it's like no one on the team wants to be in the office. Um, I think my boss does because he's got a family at home that's loud. So it's like, that's your choice, though. You do that for you. The rest of us are pretty content at home. Anyway, so I requested to work from home, and that got approved temporarily while they continue to see if I'll actually get to be able to work from home for the rest of time. Um, meanwhile, the other three developers on my team all also requested the same things. Because our, our productivity as a whole went whoo, straight down. Oof. It's like, you did this to us for why? Like, were we, were we being bad workers at home? No. It was just, you need to be in the office because of the magic. Um, where you'll bump into someone in the hallway and get an idea. And it's like, none of these people in this building have anything to do with any of my projects. Yep. And... That's a great justification, but it is just as much about being able to walk by and see what's on your screen at any given time. Yep. And I'll tell you right now, it's usually Visual Studio, but that's not what's on my phone or in my ears. You can't control me all the time, people. <laughs> and that's why we unionize. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if there is a union. Hmm. I'll look into it. Yeah, anyway, um, so those were the two things that happened to me. <laughs> tech workers unionizing is slowly starting to become a thing, which is great. Mm -hmm. And I highly encourage everyone in any role to look into what unions are active in your area and to get involved. Yeah. Workers' rights and all that. 
they're good things. Yeah. I used to have such a bad opinion of unions because of more of that propaganda about people being lazy. There have been such a concerted campaign against unions for decades in the United States. And even as they exist today, like the amount of bargaining power unions have has been neutered in so many ways. Um, Mm -hmm. But even despite that, unions remain the single most powerful tool for worker organization. And while it has reached a point where there are some unions which have been co-opted more than you might like. And it is definitely a thing that you need to be aware of and pay attention to when, oh goodness, I was fiddling with my AirPods and I just saw a thing that was like your default microphone or speaker has switched and I'm just going to go check. Okay, I'm still recording. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Anyways, look into your union. It's probably good. Some of them aren't. Most of them are good. Join a union. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. And so I'm going to put the AirPods down. That's probably a good idea. Um, just just so our users can get an idea of what we've been, both been doing, I've been fiddling on and off with the strings on the hoodie I'm wearing, my pen, my hands, and Izzy's been doing her AirPods. <laughs> we are always fiddling, people. Yeah. Um, which is why you, every once in a while, hear me drop my pen on my desk and make a loud clattering noise while I try to make it not make a noise. <laughs> I'm a very fidgety person. Me too. It's nice. It gets out the extra energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's what's been going on with me the last two weeks. But uh, Izzy, I'm really, I'm really intrigued by this word in the show notes. Um, Rune Terra. Yeah. I need yeah. you to tell me about it. So I mentioned I started playing Magic again. And I love Magic. It is a great game that you can play in a lot of different ways with a lot of different people and it's very expensive. Yes. Which which frankly sucks. The game should not be as expensive as it is. But I did recently find a new trading card game that's digital only called Legends of Runeterra which takes place in the League of Legends universe which was a major turnoff for me at first. Until I watched um, Arcane on Netflix, which was really good, and I would highly recommend it. Is that also in the League of Legends universe? Yes, it is. All right, I'm writing it down. I don't know what League of Legends is. That's um, for the oh, better. Is this the thing my brothers used to like shout about? It's like lol. Yes, yes, that's oh it. The really toxic community. Apparently, it has really good and really deep lore. And so I like that. I don't like the toxicity. Yeah, so (laughs) Legends of Runeterra is League without the League. This sounds fun. It's just a really beautifully polished, very fun card game that's incredibly inexpensive to play. I haven't put a cent into the game yet. That's amazing. So, like, in contrast to Magic Arena, where you you make progress by just getting boosters and opening boosters and hoping you get the cards you need or hoping you get the wild cards you need to exchange for the cards that you do need. Runeterra is just super generous in the free-to-play. It's actually ridiculous how friendly it is. Like, you can buy wild cards and just get the cards you need, but I haven't had to. I've been playing for, like, a week, and I have some not insignificant amount of cards like i've got like a proper like deck that i'm playing on the competitive ladder and winning once with (laughs) only one 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 game so far but that's okay because i'm playing poorly not because my cards suck which makes a huge (laughs) difference to how much i'm enjoying the game yes that is actually shocking because the like the the entire economy around free-to-play games is like forcing you to spend money in order to keep being competitive or keep like in the case of like solo games, it's like to make things uh, happen on a realistic timeline, like with Mm -hmm. speed up gems or whatever they want you buying. So it's actually shocking to me that you haven't spent any money on it yet and are able to be competitive. That's amazing. Um, It's, it's really fun. I'm having an absolute blast, Would highly recommend it would also highly recommend arcane. I was not expecting to enjoy a, a League of Legends spinoff, 
but here we are. So, okay, tell me more about Arcane. Is it like, it's not like people playing League of no, Legends? No, it, it it's a League of Legends prequel. So it's exploring a bunch of the characters' backstories before like the time of League. I didn't even know there were characters in League of Legends. I thought they were just like types of people. Like like uh, clans. And, and the champions like are the legends, I guess. All right, I'm here for it. Um, I might try it. Would recommend. All right. You can get, like, even if you were going to spend money on it, you can get such a good taste of the game before spending a cent that you know it's what you want to spend money on, which yeah. I'm so for. Almost all of the purchases are just cosmetics, which is, oh. if you're going to monetize a game, like, that's the way to do it, right? No loot boxes, no um, deceptive things, just, like, you want things like here's how you can give us money to get them. Otherwise you will get them in time mm-hmm. and you will be able to play the game. It's great. I'm here. They've for got it. like tracks that you get to pick from. So like if you like a certain region, cause all the cards are divided into regions and affects the deck building, which is another actually pretty cool thing in this game is how the decks are built. Um, but like you get to pick which region you want to get cards from. So like of however many cards there are on the game, you're getting ones you care about. Oh, which is just great. That is great because it's like even if it even if it's random, like I can see the randomness being too much because then you're like I don't care about any of these like Yep. But like if you get 3 of something, that's a playset. You don't need more than a playset cuz you can use that 3 copies in as many decks as you want. And if you would get a duplicate, you instead get shards. And shards are like an in-game currency that you can use to buy other cards. Oh. Oh, I like that. Right? I like that. Hmm. This is super cool, and I'm I'm gonna download it as soon as we're done talking. Uh, you may not hear from me for two weeks. Yeah, this, th- this is one thing. of those games where like, I think the reason it's not like enormous right now, because like it's way better than Hearthstone in my opinion. Like, sorry, <laughs> Hearthstone players, but your game <laughs> is a money grab just as much as Magic <laughs> Arena is, and this is like super interactive with your opponent because like every time you do something the priority switches so it's not like got turns exactly it's got rounds where like one player has the ability to attack on a given round that alternates but you're always like playing cards and always interacting and always like in that little interactive game of like am i doing this now with this timing but my opponent's gonna get to respond before i get to do my next thing and it's a really good gameplay loop okay this sounds really intriguing and like I think it would be a much bigger thing if it weren't for the League connection, because that definitely put me off. And I'm glad I got over that. And I would not be surprised if it puts other people off, because, oh goodness, League? (laughs) I I have never heard my brother swear so much as when he was playing League. Yeah. Um, I think the one exception for my brothers might have been RuneScape. Do you remember that game? I remember that game? game. I played that game. I played, I played that game, that game way too. too much as a kid. Me too. Uh, one time my brother asked me to watch his character while it was in like this area where you can get killed by things. Uh, the wild or something? Like the PvP area or the... I don't know. It, I don't remember. It might have been PvP. I don't know. He was like, I have to like go do something. Can you just watch my character and not die? And I was like, I am not good at this. And then he died and he cursed like the longest string of curse words I've ever <laughs> I ever heard out of his mouth. <laughs> Which, to be fair, I felt really bad about. <laughs> but yeah, so that that might be the only exception. But otherwise, yes. It it seemed to bring out the worst in the players for some reason. And I don't know what the reason is behind it because I never got into it. But yeah. Like, I definitely see the appeal of something like League if you're playing with a bunch of friends and you're like, because you get to play as a team together. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have friends and you're getting into the game and you're playing with strangers on your team trying to do like a really what is a complex strategy game where each player has a specific role with complicated communication like it gets toxic real fast yeah you get the people who are like you're being a bonehead um in less nice terms yes or you get the people who are like you're being uh meanie pants mm-hmm. um <laughs> Yeah, I can see the that people who are bad at fast. the game, so they're cued with the other people who are learning the game, but think because they're cued with other people who are new that they're the reason they're losing and not their own skill, and so they yeah. blame everyone they're playing with. Like that's a whole. Th- Anyways, for two people <laughs> who have never talked, who have never played League, we both have a lot of opinions about it. Apparently, 
I just have opinions about online gameplay with strangers in general. Like, I have a lot of fun playing Mario Kart online with friends, right? Because uh, that's hilarious. Um, even though I stink at it, like, it's hilarious to play with friends. I never got the appeal of playing with strangers because you're just getting mad at someone you can't, like, you don't know them. Like, yeah. even, like, Call of Duty, like, it never understood it. I just wanted to play in, uh, I just wanted RuneScape to be, like, a fun, like, explore on my own type deal with a bunch of NPCs, but I never got that, so. Yeah. Have you heard the good word about Skyrim? I never got into that one, because at that point, I was too cool for video games. Hair flip. Well, there's never been more ways to play Skyrim. Can I play it on my phone? God, probably. It's Skyrim. <laughs> Surprised they okay. haven't released it for Game Boy Advance yet. Ugh. That's a good point. I will look and I will see if I like it. I'm told that one has dragons. Sounds cool. It has dragons. Yes, it is cool. I've never played it either. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. So lots of game news that I'm not qualified to talk about any of it. <laughs> I'm not qualified. I just play a qualified person on a podcast. Isn't that everyone on a podcast? It's true. Yeah, we're all just pretending we know things and then getting corrected by our users or users, listeners who actually know things. You know, sometimes the imposter syndrome (laughs) flares up, but like (laughs) I saw someone say recently, like, don't think of it as like being an imposter. Think of it as being like the sneaky person who fooled people into thinking you were clever right like through your own ingenuity you made them believe that you know what you're doing yes one of our friends said that didn't they or maybe they quoted someone one of those two options yeah (laughs) (laughs) anyway i like that i like that idea too i'm gonna use that to talk myself out of my next imposter syndrome spiral so unfortunately (laughs) that doesn't work to talk the spider mites out of my tomato plants spider mites spider mites tell me everything tell me well, I was in San Francisco, and I got back, and my tomatoes were starting to wilt, and I couldn't figure out why. I was like, it's not too little water. It's not, like, a bunch of other things. Like, like it's not any of these, like, fungus or weird, like, tomato diseases that I started Googling. And then finally I noticed on the bottom of the leaves the telltale little white marks of spider mites. I was like, gosh darn it. But fortunately... Washing the plants every day seems to be clearing them up because spider mites don't like being wet. They don't like being wet. And they also can't climb back up before they die. I'm not positive (laughs) how they get there in the first place, to be honest. But, like, they do. And they're annoying. And so I have been washing them away anytime I notice them there. And the tomatoes are looking better. Hopefully, they recover enough to give me some plants. They lost a lot of foliage. So, like, hopefully I'll get some fruit off them. We will see. I will, however, have plenty of cilantro. Okay, you need to teach me your secrets, because my cilantro never comes up. Okay. It's rude. So I had an entire packet of cilantro that I got, and I tried to start it, and not a single seed germinated. So I was planting chives. I got um, Tokyo Long Onion Mm -hmm. um, seeds, which were great, and I planted half of a planter box with those, and I was like, in my seed binder. And I saw this cilantro that was like, not a single one of these seeds germinated. And so I just took the packet and I was like, here's half an unused space. I'm dumping the seeds on and whatever comes up, comes up. And a bunch came up. So I guess my answer is dump a lot of seeds in it and hope that it just reseeds continually. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I think I could do this. I will have to check how many cilantro seeds I have. I will just pave the pave. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for here? I will just cover the spot I want the cilantro to grow in seeds and just hands off. Actually, I can't do that. The birds will eat them. I'll have to cover them. <laughs> but same deal. Okay, so that's your secret. Lots and lots of cilantro. What are you going to do with all this cilantro? I'm going to use it in everything. Really? I like, love what, cilantro. What, what well, do you use it in? I just like... Tacos and guac. I like it on burgers. I like to... Um... I will use it in the uh, herb mix I use when I make falafel. Um, Hang on. You have your own falafel me. recipe? Well, I I have the serious eats easy herb packed falafel recipe from from J. Kenji Lopez Alt, who is my 
my hero of the kitchen. Can you share that one with me? I've yes. been making it from a packet. <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> Thank you, Izzy. Okay, herb packed falafel, bon mi. Okay, these are good good uses for cilantro. I like to put mine in salsa. It's good in salsa. Just good. <laughs> yeah, it is just good. You can chop I'm sorry it and to use everyone it as dip. to whom it tastes like salt. It tastes like soap. I am convinced that everyone kind of gets the soap taste, but there are just some of us who don't care. That's plausible. Does it taste like soap to you? See, I wouldn't describe it as, like, soap. Like, I think I know what people are talking about when they say there's a thing in it that tastes like soap. But, like, having tasted soap... You've tasted soap? I'm sorry. As a child who has used (laughs) the wrong word in the wrong context, I have tasted soap. Wait, your parents actually did that to you? (laughs) You know, I don't remember if it was my parents or, like, a grandparent or what. Okay. I just know it happened. And it's, like, one of those childhood memories where it's just, like... The soap was the more important part of the memory. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Sorry, I needed to know. <laughs> okay, so you know what they're talking about, but it doesn't actually taste like soap to you? Yeah. Okay. Because I would describe it as the same thing. Like, it, I can understand why people say it tastes soapy, but it doesn't turn me off of the cilantro. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder if it's, like, an acquired taste or, like... Well, I know it's a genetic component, but I just wonder if these people are just like, I don't know how to put it. Like, it's it's like more intense for them rather than like it actually tastes like soap. I mean, it's amazing how much variance there is in what people can taste just in general. Like, I can't really tell the difference between like Coke and Pepsi. We were talking like, about this today. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, if you put them both in front of me like, and I tasted one after the other, I could tell you one tastes different. But I'm not sure I could tell you which is which. Okay, Whereas other gonna... people absolutely can't. Other people could taste one in isolation and tell you exactly which it is. I'm not sure which of those I am. But let's just make this very clear. Coke and Pepsi taste different, people. Um, there are some people who don't believe that. And I just, I don't know what to do with you. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's the end of that thought. Uh, that's correct. That's true. Lots of people can taste things that I can't taste. Like, I think... It's all kind of based on on your sense of smell, too, isn't it? Like, you can't taste things if you can't smell them. We did yeah, that well, experiment um, in psychology. There's, like, was it? Taste buds identify, like, some of the core tastes, like, sweet, sour, umami, bitter. But yeah. then, like, all of the rest of the flavors from the aromatics. And it's, like, that combination of taste and the aromatics that creates, like, what we think of as flavor of food. Yeah. If anybody doubts this, <laughs> this is the experiment our psychology teacher did on us. Uh, get a blindfold, plug your nose, and have someone feed you either a piece of raw potato or a piece of raw apple and see if you can tell the difference. You cannot. I'm telling you right now because I, I ate both of them. You can't tell the difference. <laughs> huh. You know, okay, so Alex and I are rewatching The Office right now. Yes. And there's an episode where, like, for whatever reason, they just start betting on everything. Oh, yeah. And there's a character, Creed, who is in the scene eating an apple. And he puts the apple down, and they swap it with a potato and watch him just take a bite of it. Yes. And I had never considered that perhaps she really didn't notice. (laughs) This is what I'm saying. It makes so much more sense when you know this about it. Okay. I just, like, the other experiment we did was we plugged our noses and tasted onion. And, like, if you don't like the texture of onion, that, that experiment is not for you. But it also did not taste weird. Like, huh. the, the type of onion you're supposed to cook. Um, like, red onions taste fine raw. Uh, yellow onions. There we go. Got it. Like, the, or the white ones. I don't know. The really potent ones. Anyway. What were we talking about? Cilantro? <laughs> yeah. And spider mites. Spider mites suck. spider mites. Um, I was telling you, I found spider mites on a basil plant that had been growing on my windowsill for like six months the other day. And I panicked and threw it outside because it's right next to a bunch of succulents and mm. a bunch of other plants that don't like a lot of water. So I can't overwater them just to get rid mm-hmm. of the spider mites. They're, they're horrible. Like, like pests like this, horrible. They are part of the food chain, but when they're inconvenient, it sucks. <laughs> like, it's just, 
Like one of the unfortunate things about gardening is when we're taking a lot of these plants that were never really evolved to grow in the environments we're growing them in, then like their pests don't have natural predators in the environments they're growing in. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, we end up with situations like this or like situations where plants need a lot more water than naturally is available while they're growing. Um, just It's almost like we didn't have all the right ideas about gardening when when colonists came and and displaced the indigenous peoples in the Americas <laughs> and completely disrupted the um, agricultural methods and species that they were using. Seems like maybe no. <laughs> um, especially since I've done a lot of research lately on native plants and invasive species and their effect on imp- insect populations, which affects bird populations, which affects other populations. Um, I'm murmuring all of this because I will go down a rabbit hole if I'm not careful. Yeah, I was shocked. I um, drove to Houston recently for the Texas Eco-Socialism Conference. Mm-hmm. And anytime I'm in a rural area, like, I'm always surprised how few insects hit the windshield anymore. Like, as a kid, it was like, you couldn't leave the house in a car without, like, having to clean the windshield. And yes. now, there's just nothing. There's it's, there's nothing. Okay. It's, it's so eerie having noticed it, and I wonder how many people just haven't. People have not. Um, and... Izzy, I literally just read this in a book and it struck me like lightning because I had not noticed. Me, the person who's already out here doing all the invasive plant removal and stuff. Like, it's it's one of those tricks our brain does where we don't notice something is missing until someone points it out. And as soon as it was pointed out to me in a book that I will recommend to you because it was really good, Bringing Nature Home. Um, I'll put it in the show notes for our listeners really good it's all about turning your gardens into native plants are you writing it down <laughs> no i'm putting the airpods down again before i actually <laughs> the them. <laughs> amazing amazing um yeah bringing nature home it talks about putting native plants in your gardens and its effect on mostly it focuses on the effect native plants have or invasive plants have on insects because Insects are critical to all life on Earth. I know we hate mosquitoes, but all the life around us depends on them. So, it's a good book. You should look into it. I definitely will. Check your tomatoes for spider mites. Um, those hornworms that you're trying to get off of them, people in the North America, those turn into beautiful moths. So maybe just plant some Elysium to attract the wasps that control them on their own. All right. Is that how you pronounce that? Elysium? El- Elysium? I don't know. I'll, I'll spell it in the show notes. And I will link to where I learned that information. Go check your gardens for pests, people, and maybe dispose of them in a way that's good and not in a way that's bad. No pesticides. Please, none. <laughs> this has been Above the Mess. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Above the Mess Pod. You can find us on the internet at AboveTheMess.com and send us an email from um that website if you want to find izzy she's at stardust.fm if you want to find me i'm at flexpotential.com thanks for listening y'all don't use pesticides it's surprising how many come from chemical weapons used in world war ii that actually doesn't shock me at all fertilizer too yep anyway (laughs) bye-bye